11.04 here, Dr. Payne Show with Dr. Lou. I'm Chris Creston. I'm in for John Scholes, so I'm glad just that uh, you have me in on how you look just there, right <laughs> off the bat. You look... <laughs> He's better looking than John Scholes, for sure. He's got oh, hair. That's, yeah, but that's not, that's not that hard. <laughs> that's, not, yeah, the, that's not really. you got Greg Carrasco here as well, continuing on from his show. He wouldn't tell you. You, you can't get this guy to stop doing radio. No. I know, man. I love this. This, is, take, um, he, this is, you know, the, he's just taking this over slowly. He's just trying to push me back and back. No. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I happen to think that you are incredibly relevant oh, in, uh, in, in day-to-day life. And I'm not just blowing smoke uh, because uh, having gone through this knee surgery, I never really understood the concept of, you know, the stuff that you talk yeah. about here and uh, the the prehabilitation concept. Yes. And uh, somebody asked me last week, uh, Greg, what did you do to prehabilitate yourself before the surgery so the rehabilitation became a lot easier? A lot easier, right. And uh, I said, how about this? I'm going to see Dr. Payne on Saturday, and uh, I will ask him on air because I can tell you that the only reason why uh, 16 weeks after uh, a full transplant on my knee, I am able to be on the mat duking it out with guys half my age and I don't feel anything. I mean, knock yeah. on wood, yeah. I'm being smart about it, yeah. but I attribute all of this to prehabilitation. Can you talk to me a little bit more? Because I'm not, just because I had this and I recovered quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not going to get injured again. I don't know. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, the, you know, starting with the first point that you made about the relevance of, of what I speak about, one of the things that we talk about is we use pain as the six vital signs. So it's not a traditional vital sign like blood pressure, heart rate, but it is one of the things that distinguishes human beings. It's, it means you're alive. If you're feeling something, you must therefore be alive, right? So that's mm-hmm. how important this is. And this happens in everyday life. And then in like your circumstance, it doesn't happen until maybe you have to have a surgery. But to move over to the question of prehabilitation, how important is that versus rehabilitation, I don't know that I can give you an answer based on the research that I've seen that can quantify that I can, for example, say, well, you're, you know, 50% more likely not to recover. Like, I don't know the exact numbers. And I don't know that that research would exist, even from an ethical standpoint, where you would tell someone to try not to do something before it. But I can tell you from a practical experience that I I would say that if I had to take a guess, it's probably 50-50. It's probably just as important to be uh, in in good functioning uh, form in that local area prior to a surgery as it is to get it functioning after. And yeah, I do believe it's that high because it's just, if you're prepared, if your body is prepared for it, then, I mean, surgery is trauma, right? And, and we can define trauma in so many very ways, but to the body, there's no difference between a surgeon going in there with a scalpel and moving things around as there is me kicking out your knee, right? It's trauma. The body doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. And so the same types of physiological processes that would happen if I just kicked out your knee still happen with with surgery. Now, the, the difference being some of it would be controlled to an extent with anesthetics, antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera. But there's still that same level of um, invasiveness that that can't can't be discounted. So I do believe the prehabilitation is equally as important as the rehabilitation process. And I think the better, and this is the reason too why a lot of surgeons sometimes won't even do a surgery on someone. Like a better example for people to digest just from an analogy standpoint is 
if you want to get like a stomach band or something where you want to lose weight and you're severely obese, the doctor will tell you, well, go lose 100 pounds first on your own before I do it. And that's two things. Number one, the psychological side of things where, you know, you have to build a habit of trying to get healthy regardless because this isn't the solution on its own. And equally so with prehabilitation, you doing stuff before gets you in the habit that you will equally need to do things after. You know, and I don't think that people really understand the scope of being in shape Why? Because when you're in shape and you get injured, mm -hmm. you're still in shape. <laughs> uh, well, you know, one of, to, I'll bring up a, a certain figure. I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of his, uh, a, a guy named Jordan Peterson from UFT, okay? One of the things that he says in general, so this is based on the other things he talks about, but he essentially talks about that the sacrifice you make today is essentially the future that you are building, right? So you can almost know the future by the sacrifice you make today. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with being in shape. The sacrifice you make today is your future. The whole reason why, you know, there's this whole push around being healthy. Why Why are you healthy? You're healthy not for today. You're healthy in the in the hopes that you've increased your longevity one day. Have you read his book yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. Many, I've actually read it twice. <laughs> really? I, I went to see him. I'm a big fan yeah, he's, of his. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. There's, there's he, a couple controversial issues. But that's okay. as a thinker, I think he's he's like up there with the best in the world in terms of of, of making us understand what the... You know, where we are in humanity and so many things, and a lot of when I read these things, I try to take it back to what I do every day, mm -hmm. which is the healthcare aspect of things. But even that, the sacrifice, and, and that's what prehabilitation is. The sacrifice that you make prior is the future that you want after the surgery. You know, and the last thought before I, I, I get out of your hair, you have some I don't, <laughs> is that, um, you know, I've, I've always been a gym rat, whether it's lifting weights or CrossFit or Jiu-Jitsu or whatever, all the stuff that I do. But... You know, I did it because I wanted to be healthy, but I never really understood the whole concept of being in shape and being healthy until I got hurt. Absolutely. And then I understood the reason why, and everything became so clear. This is the reason why I am in shape. You know, this would be paralyzing for someone. And, you know, my my surgeon said to me, Greg, if you were a couch potato and you were all out of shape, I would not be doing this to you right now. I would not yeah. be doing a transplant to your knee. But I already know that I'm going to have to hold you back on the other side of the surgery because you're going to be chomping at the bed, trying to get on the mat and fight with people again. Yeah, and I mean, the crossover between things in life is there's really like you know i was listening to your second hour with calvin on right same thing the sacrifice you make today from an, a financial perspective is the future again that you want one day it's and and it's just same thing there's no there's no big secrets in life when you actually look at things that way and 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 it's no different in healthcare you got to make the sacrifices day to day um in order to increase your longevity or at the very least do your best to do that because not anything could happen but if you can at least you know i meet people where where they say yeah but not everybody that smokes gets cancer, for example, gets lung cancer. Fine. But why not remove the variable that one day you can say, well, I know it wasn't because of that. Like, why not eliminate one very, very important factor that based on research is almost causation more than it is just correlation? You know, Miyamoto Musashi said that once you understand the way broadly, you see it in everything. Yes. Once you see the clarity, you can apply it to just about everything. I love yes. you, man. Thank yes. you so much. No Thank problem. you. Good to Thank see you, Greg. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Greg Carrasco <laughs> sticking around for an extra segment here 
here on the Dr. Payne Show with Dr. Lou. I'm Chris Creston. Give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640, on your cell phone, 1-888-225-TALK. And uh, give us a call and ask Dr. Payne a question, just like Greg did, sticking around to uh, find out uh, a little bit about the knee. And hey, maybe a little bit about philosophy here as well, here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Give us a call, like the big voice guy said, 416-870-6400, star 640, on your cell phone for a question for Dr. Lou. Tell him about your pain. Dr. Payne is here to help. Yeah, yeah Dr. We, Payne. I got to change that name. <laughs> you, you don't yeah. like it? I think it's a good wrestling handle. Yeah, I guess, I guess to some extent. You know, it's funny. I've, I've grappled with <laughs> wrestling, <laughs> pardon the pun. I've grappled with this. But, you know, one of the most important things with pain management with, with patients is to not focus on pain. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and if the first word that everyone has seen is pain, that's quite the way to not focus on it. So it's counterintuitive. Gotcha. Doctor getting better here. We've got <laughs> Dylan calling in right now from North Bay with a question for Dr. Lou. Uh, Dylan, what's up? Hey, Dr. Lou. Hey, Dylan. Uh, just giving you a call. I've, I've never had it. I'm much like uh, Greg there. I've always been a gym rat, uh, uh, judo, boxing, all kinds of great stuff, and always been in pretty good shape. I'm 52 now, still in good shape. And uh, the problem is, though, I'm having a sciatica uh, problem on my right side down my leg, and I can't explain it. I've never had any trauma to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just hoping that, uh, that surgery isn't the answer. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that that whether surgery is or is not the answer will be difficult for me to to say without obviously assessing you prop, properly but what i can tell you is you know one of the things you just said there is no trauma and see the the problem here is that people see trauma as an instance as an incident something specific that they could say yep i was picking up a box or i was lifting that weight and then boom there it was all of a sudden but trauma is also cumulative and it might be cumulative based on functional patterns that are just characteristic to you so so what do i mean by that like let's use the example with let's just say you have a slight scoliosis which is a little bit of a of a little extra curve in your low back and you know over the years and all of the things that you do um, that that wears things down in a different way like i mean we just had greg on the show so relating that analogy to cars right if your alignment is slightly off on to one side well it doesn't cause an instance of trauma but what it does do is cause a cumulative effect where all of a sudden that car in that area will eventually break down and our bodies are really no different we're just we're a more complex mechanical creature but with the same basic principles in that if you continue to do something functionally in a certain way and nobody has you know the people i always say the people who are the ideal specimens those are the olympic athletes that's why they are who they are but the average person like you and i and chris here and jody we're we're not the we're not the olympic athletes and so we have these things that will eventually lead to breakdown so you know your your sciatica may very well be due to the way you've lifted your whole life and and a certain pattern and and although it may take i don't know your age but whether you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 50 it's just where does the where does the straw finally break right like where where is the point where all of a sudden you feel pain and we often speak about pain or or serious pain like you're having with the sciatica is the end stage of dysfunction right so there's a dysfunctional thing happening prior um but all of a sudden you feel pain finally and so you know that's that's the first point there the second point as to whether you would need surgery or not that's a more complicated question in the sense that obviously i would need to assess you what i can tell you is oftentimes surgery for these types of things is often not needed one of the stats that i can give you is out of 100 people that a spine surgeon sees that are referred to him or her, um, they operate on about 
two or three of them. So, so what that essentially means is when you're dealing with the spine, you know, 97% of the cases that people think might be surgical are not surgical. So those are just the, the stats. Now, am I telling you you're 97% versus 3%? I don't know. I'd have to get more information, uh, but that's where the assessment is, is most important. Right. Thank you. Okay. Most, most of the problem occurs when I'm um, been sleeping or sitting for a long time. Right. Walking, yeah. jogging, biking, running. Mm-hmm. never have a problem with that. It's after I stop and it starts to... Yeah, and, and so that starts to provide relevant information in the sense that once you understand anatomy, like as soon as somebody says bending or sitting, aggravates that to me suggests some type of a disc issue, like a disc herniation or a disc bulge. Um, and now there's a difference between hurt versus harm in the sense that you could do certain things that hurt you but are not necessarily harmful, but equally so you can do things that don't hurt you at all but may equally be just as harmful. So, um, again, that's where breaking it down patient to patient and individual to individual is very important for finding what those points are. So, And the example there that you gave is, yes, sitting is harmful for a disc issue and equally hurts, uh, but you're saying running doesn't hurt, but it may actually be harmful. I don't know because, again, I, I would need to go into to a deeper history and physical exam with you, uh, but but there, it is important to distinguish those things. Well, thank you for your time. And no I, problem. I left my number as well, too, for follow-up. Thank okay, you. thanks. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot for calling, Dylan. And uh, if you want to follow up with Dr. Lou, one 55 Dr. Lou is the number to call to get a hold of him. Or if you want to call and like Dylan did and call and ask a question here on the air on Global News Radio on the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. A whole lot more with Dr. Lou coming up on the other side. Global News Radio 640 Toronto, Dr. Payne Show here with Dr. Lou. I'm Chris Cresson in for John Scholes, who... Uh, He's off. I don't just know what, a, what a slacker. Just, know, come you know, on. Like, <laughs> Speaking he's, of slackers, he's Greg's yeah. number one slacker. He's never here. <laughs> well, no, I'm enjoying being able to spend some time here sure, with Dr. Lou, learning a lot about uh, people's pain, getting over it, finding, uh, finding a way to recover after a surgery like we're yeah. talking with Greg about, and taking some calls here from the listeners yeah, well, who have, uh, have you. questions as well. Thanks a well, lot, We'll Dr. have to Lou. replace uh, skulls. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know what? The last caller did remind me of a little mystery pain thing I want to bring up with you, sure. but let's get to the phones okay. before that so you can give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. I want to get to David here before we get to my mystery pain. David in Brampton, what's your uh, question for Dr. Lou? Okay, I've been running for about 50 years, Okay, and uh, I used to do marathons, and then I cut it down about 10 years ago to half marathons, and now I'm running maybe um, an hour a day for uh, about 10K, mm-hmm. and recently, maybe a month ago, I started to get pain um, both above and slightly below my left knee, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been walking strenuously now for the last week. And uh, the pain actually only occurs maybe an hour after stopping running mm-hmm. or stopping walking even. And I'm wondering how long should I wait before being more proactive, that is, uh, uh, either increasing the uh, walking or uh, cutting back on my running. Okay. Have you had your knee looked at professionally by anybody? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe about a year or two ago. Yeah, so, so but not recently, not since this no, recent exacerbation. No, uh, actually used to go away, mm-hmm. and uh, even now sometimes it goes away. Right. Uh, and I got new running shoes maybe about three years ago. Um, 
and I'm getting older, but I really, really love running. Yeah. Well, so so here's, I mean, the answer for being proactive, I would say, is get this assessed properly, right? And and start to figure out exactly what is going on. Uh, because, I mean, is, is rest important? Sure, but it may not be necessarily the answer. Right. And one of the things that I constantly talk about is this, this, again, and I'll use the word again, this cumulative nature of injuries. And a lot of people will have, like, you're, you're a good example of, yeah, I've had knee pain before, but it would usually just clear up. And then all of a sudden they get to one point in their life or one instance where they say, you know, that knee pain that used to clear up, it's just not going away on its own anymore. It's actually, in fact, getting worse and it's bothersome. And so this is where I'm a big proponent of that's why you should be getting the little things looked at initially and doing the functional things or the modifications early on so you never get to that point. But I mean, we're not going to deal with the past year with you. What I will say is what you need to do is is get it looked at now and, and find out what's exactly going on. Because I mean, the way you would treat a functional knee issue, say like a patellofemoral pain or otherwise known as runner's knee is very different than the way we would treat, you know, a torn ACL or a meniscal tear or maybe osteoarthritis of that knee. And some of those may require completely dis, you know, stopping running versus others may only require a modification. And maybe another one may require no change whatsoever as long as you rehabilitate it properly. So it's, it's a very hard um, question in the sense that I need to know exactly what's wrong with your knee in order to make the right recommendation. And that's why I always say that treatment is predicated based on the diagnosis because that's the way it works. You can't, you can't go backwards. And, and this is a big problem in our system where people are always, you know, they'll say, oh, my friend told me to go try, for example, shockwave therapy, which has tremendous value. We do shockwave therapy in our clinics as well. However, you need to make sure that you're lining up the treatment intervention with the right diagnostic criteria because that's what ensures the prognostic success. So you're saying I should be proactive, not to try to self-medicate? Or... Yes. There you go. Good summary. I oh. just said it in a long, complicated way. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. Give okay. me a call. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye. a lot, David. You can follow up with Dr. Lou at one eight five 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 doctor lou That's 855-553-7568 or info at paincarecanada.com. Dr. Lou, I teased a little bit before. I've got a bit of a mystery pain, and I hate to be selfish and take up the airwaves here, but I've got a doctor here in front of me, so I might as well talk to you. And Dylan sort of uh, sparked my thoughts on this because he was complaining about a sciatica issue, which is something that about a year ago I started feeling, and it was right down my left leg, sort Mm -hmm. of started around the low back, through the glute, and down right into my left foot. And I went to my doctor at the time. She said, oh, you know what? This sounds like a herniated disc to me. I don't know. She jumped right to the furthest possible conclusion. But that's where she went with it. She told me to go see a physiotherapist. Didn't order any imaging or anything. Right. After doing some physiotherapy, doing some core strength training and stuff like that, trying to just sort of alleviate some Mm -hmm. of that, started to get a little better. IMS treatment, things like that. And went in for imaging, finally, they couldn't find anything wrong with the disc. Right. So, and then this is, so again, so we got to start, let's start at the beginning here. So you've got sciatica, right? Mm-hmm. Sciatica is just, a, 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 the sciatic nerve is a, is a big nerve that's made up of the lower lumbar segments, the nerve roots there that goes into 
um, goes through the glute, out what's called the sciatic notch, down your leg, splits into the lower leg. So it's essentially a very important nerve in your leg. Yeah. So sciatica is the term for pain in that nerve, okay? So when someone says they have sciatica, it's just really, it's like saying you have a fever, right? right? You wouldn't just go in and say, well, I feel really hot and clammy and blah, blah, blah. Well, then that's that's called a fever. The same extent where people come in and say, I have shooting leg pain, it's throbbing, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's sciatica. So that's the, the clinical sign. The next question becomes, well, what is aggravating the nerve? A lot of things can aggravate nerves. One of the one of the problems with healthcare as well is that doctors or other healthcare professionals jump to the most likely cause of these types of things, right? And so if you have to look at the, the literature or what's most commonplace, you would say the sciatica is often a result of a disc herniation or something like a disc herniation or some other type of disc pathology. However, what we're not accounting for is that there's a lot of things that can cause that presentation. And you're probably a good example where you probably didn't have a disc herniation because those things don't necessarily tend to disappear on imaging. You would just see them. They just wouldn't be pushing on the nerve root anymore because you've done enough to at the very least remove the impingement factor, but not enough to actually take it away completely because disc herniations, its very nature is that there's a rip in what's called the annulus, which is the outer layer of the disc, and then the the nucleus pulposa, which is kind of this jelly substance within the disc, protrudes out. You you can get the protrusion kind sort of, like of squishing ba- an Oreo Correct. cookie. Yeah, you can, exactly. Yeah, you can get that back in, but you can't repair the rip. Um, or at least we're not good at repairing the rip. So uh, uh, one of the things that's often mimics a disc herniation is just the tight piriformis muscle. So I said that the nerve goes through. I wrote down piriformis. My wife is go. a part-time yoga instructor and go. kept telling me it's your piriformis. piriformis yes. I never heard of that. Yeah, it, Dr. Lou. Okay. My wife is Dr. right. Dr. Lou. You, She's right. That's, <laughs> that's it. This is, that's how I'm big. You, I told you yeah. so is coming to me when <laughs> I get home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so now again, I don't know for that for sure, but I, I mean, this is the important thing to consider what could potentially be causing the problem. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Dr. Lou, for helping me. And we're going to get some more help sure. for some other people yep. coming up on the other side here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. More with Dr. Lou coming up. Dr. Payne Show here with Dr. Lou. I am Chris Creston. We're taking your calls on uh, issues that you're having and solving some of my problems selfishly yes. here in the process. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Let's go to Ed in Beamville right now. Ed, uh, you've got a problem with your shoulder. That's correct, I do. What's going um, on? I Obviously, I've got some pain there. Yep. That's been going on since last March. Um, and um, I was seeing a chiropractor. She was doing range of motion treatment, which just provided a little bit of relief. And it just kept getting worse. And I'm a really active guy. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of cycling. I do a lot of cross training, um, blah, 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 and, 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 and strength training, just, just on my own, mostly body weight. Yep. But, and, and I like doing that. And I like the way it makes me feel and look and everything. But um, this, this, I got in to see a sports medicine doc, and um, he looked at everything after I actually I went to get diagnostic imaging, imaging, mm-hmm. and um, they said there's a calcific tendonitis of the supraspinatus tendon. Yeah, calcific tendonitis. Okay. Yep. Yeah, a focal tearing of the distal subscapularis tendon. Okay. So, anyways, back in June, I got a cortisone injection. And it worked wonders, Mm -hmm. but the pain came back. How long did it last for, the relief of pain? uh, A good four weeks. Okay. And then then I did a workout and all this, you know, and I got workout pain, you know, like in my pack. And, but it was good pain, but then the pain in the shoulder never went away after that. Right. So 
I just got another um, cortisone injection this week. And, and the, the sports medicine doc is recommending that I wait a couple of weeks and go for some shockwave ter- therapy because for, to supposedly to break down On the, the calcific tendonitis. Yep. Tendonitis. Yep. And I'm wondering about that. I've never had it. I've heard about it. I'm, I'd, I'd like you to explain, if you could, what happens and how that helps, if it does help. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, so based on the research, um, shockwave therapy is very good for two things based on on the the scientific literature, one of them being calcific tendonitis and the other being plantar fasciitis. So, um, you know, does it work? I mean, I'd have to say based on the research, the answer is is likely. Now, research is never one-to-one. It's not 100%, right? Like out of 100 people, maybe it helps 75, 76, something like that. But those are very, very good odds. Um, So yes, it it does tend to work for those things. The process by which it works is this shockwave, which originally came from the technology that they were using to break down kidney stones. So it's just essentially these shockwaves, essentially is what they are, that are are sent in to break down the the kidney stones. Now, like many things, there's applications in other areas of health. So the, the example being laser therapy. We have lasers that we use for the treatment of musculoskeletal injuries to help blood flow, but we equally have lasers, you know, that can go into a person's spine and remove a disc as we equally do where we do eye surgeries with them. So, so there's different applications and shockwave therapy has a musculoskeletal application, which is the one you're talking about, where it does break down the calcification of that tendon. Now you have to kind of go back and understand what calcific tendonitis is. Anytime the body calcifies, it's hardening. And tendons are not meant to be hardened. They're supposed to move a certain way, especially the supraspinatus tendon has to move a certain way to allow for the rotator cuff muscle to do what it needs to do so that the shoulder can do what it needs to do. Well, if there's something impeding on that mobility, that can create a problem. Um, and so that's the whole idea is if you can break down that calcification and have a little bit more mobility, you should have uh, you know, an improvement in pain. One of the things that I will say when it comes to shoulder injuries and especially things with, that affect the supraspinatus, and this is a little bit hard over the radio, the supraspinatus is a muscle, part of the rotator cuff muscles that sits at the top of essentially the shoulder blade. It comes under the acromial hood, which is the extension of, of the scapula and the, and the clavicle, and, and it goes through this little hole to attach into the arm. Depending on posture and the things you do, you can make that space where that tendon goes through smaller or bigger. So one of the important things around shoulder injuries is making sure that the person has what's called called good scapular positioning so that their scapula, their posture of their scapula is working in such a way that it maximizes that space. And that's often one of the things that's forgotten. So um, the only reason why I bring that up is you know, if you just do shockwave and you break down the calcification and it's sort of better, if you don't change the posture around potentially that space where the supraspinatus is, is being impinged, then you likely could still have pain or the pain could come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing you loud and clear because I did see a, a physiotherapist and he claimed the cause of it was postural and he gave me some postural exercises, which yeah. I did. Yeah, and, and I mean, cause and effect with all of these things is hard to determine. But I mean, going back to the way I started this the show with our first caller was that I talked about the cumulative effect of the different things that we do. And yeah, maybe the physiotherapist is right. It's the cumulative effect of the posture of your shoulder that has eventually led to the calcification. And eventually that calcification catches up with you in the in the form of pain. Okay. Okay. So, so when you're saying scapular position, yeah. are you saying 
to go back to see a physiotherapist to make sure I'm getting does does it so again this 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 is a harder question to answer because physiotherapist chiropractor massage therapist sports doctor I know some massage therapists that are better than some sports doctors and I equally know some chiropractors that are worse than massage therapy like there's so many different ways it really depends on the individual that if they you know it's like anything like like you can have 10 different accountants do your your accounting at the end of the year, and they might have 10 different opinions on it. This is the same with healthcare and with physio versus chiro versus massage. It really depends on their outlook. But I can help you find somebody that I think um, would, would follow along with my train of thought here. Okay. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Thank you Thanks a lot for calling, Ed. And Ed, you can follow up by calling Dr. Lou at one 855 Dr. Lou. Send him an email, info at paincarecanada.com. If you want to ask a question on the air like Ed did, give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Just expanding from Ed's call, we're talking about sort of that repetitive nature of, of whether it's a posture issue mm-hmm. or a motion that we're always doing how much of that, like when you're talking about guys who are in the gym a lot, are you? how much of that can be from just not having the right posture while doing a certain exercise? Yeah, I, I do believe, again, going back to the beginning, I do think a lot of the injuries that we eventually sustain, if, if you're, I, I can, you know, it's, it, it would be a long cross-sectional study, but I'd love to have a group of kids that someone could analyze and say, well, based on their postures, these are the likely injuries that they will happen. And then when I analyze people, this is, you know, I could look at them and say, well, just based on this very nature, here are the, the types of things that the injuries that are common. The reason why I don't like doing it is because then you're you're almost creating a, self, a self-serving self body. Like you're almost putting that in their head. So there there's that loop where, you know, is it created because it was going to happen or because you made them believe it was going to happen? So that's a very dangerous thing in that sense. But yeah, I do believe that, that you know, know, the posture or your, your, let's call it the dynamics of your body, right? Because posture, everyone just thinks about sitting up straight, mm-hmm. but let's, let's talk about functional dynamics of your body. Do predicate the, the certain injuries that you would be more predisposed to for sure. Interesting stuff. I'm learning so much here with Dr. Lou, and I hope all of you are too. Give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone, 1-888-225-TALK, to give us a call live on the air and ask Dr. Lou a question here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Good morning to everyone out there. Beautiful Saturday morning here for, I can't imagine a better way. They're not going to last much longer. I know. This likely, likely the last great Saturday morning that we're yeah. going to have here for the or remainder of or somewhere like in December, right? Like with our weather, it'd be like snow, 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 and then all of a sudden 30 degrees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just turn on a dime yeah. here. We're taking your calls, talking about uh, pain that you're experiencing, things that you're feeling. I know, Dr. Lou, I get really irritable when yeah. I have pain and well, I'm just a horrible welcome, person welcome to, to be around. Human. Yeah, 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 for sure. Of course. And that's got to be a big problem. So you want to turn that around in your life. And it all starts yeah. with, you know, getting it figured out talking to your doctor and uh, yeah. and moving forward yeah. with some kind of treatment. Yeah, and and besides becoming irritable, like one of the things too is that what people don't realize like there's 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 a big focus like we can name how many like foundations like heart and stroke cancer. These are mm-hmm. all things that will affect potentially the quantity of your life and I'm not downplaying their importance. They are extremely important. Whereas pain is one of those things that, you know, 
in general doesn't affect, even though I can argue that it potentially could affect the quantity of your life, but it's more about the quality of your life. Right. And, and this is really what we're dedicated to. How can you get what you want out of your life, right? Like I, I see people who are high-end golfers, for example, and, and you know, they want to keep playing golf, but it's like, well, you have a choice. You can keep playing at this level and then never play golf again for the rest of your life. Or if you somehow tone it down and you, and, or you rehabilitate it properly, you can play golf one day with your grandkids, for example. Right. Like, you know, and, and this is, and again, going back to what we were speaking about with Greg, the sacrifice you make today is the future that will therefore be in front of you one day, right? So you, you can make that happen uh, by doing the right things today. Yeah, and you want to be able to do that of and course, hand yeah. that experience on yeah, to your the, grandkids. The quality, like quality should be equally as important of quantity of life. And I think all of us would agree, like if someone said, could you leave, live 60 years with the best quality of life or you choose 100 years with not so good quality? I think most people are going to choose 60 years. Yeah, you want yeah. that quality yeah. in yeah. there. And uh, we're hoping to get some of that quality in for uh, some of the callers here on the air right now. 416-870-STAR-6... Uh, that's not a whole phone number. 416-870-6400, <laughs> star 640 on your cell phone here. Gail in Toronto is giving us a call here with a question for Dr. Lou. Gail, what's happening? Oh, hi, I had osteoporosis in both of my thumbs. It was really bad. I had all kinds of pain. And then I had surgery on the Okay, so what's the question, Gail? Why, why would the pain go away in the left thumb after the right thumb got better? Oh, that's, that's a very, very hard question to answer. I mean, there's a couple different ways that I can answer that. One of them could just be, you know, it's just coincidence. A lot of times... Um, you know, people think that just because something happened at a certain point in time that it's a correlate, that it's a causation, right? So, so the you know the the example being like, um, you know, you, you're sitting there, you get surgery on one side, but the pain goes on the away on the other side, and you're assuming well, the, you know, one is equal to the other, but it may just be a correlation, like something may have happened. So there's that side of things. There's also from a neurological side, and this may be stretching the limits of what's possible or or what pe most people can accept but there's something called mirror box therapy and this is reserved mainly for people who have phantom limb pain and so phantom limb pain is a very very dangerous or, or very very serious thing and, and very hard thing to treat um and, and what the mirror box is is let's say you are missing your right arm for whatever reason, okay? You put a mirror box where essentially your left arm, you're looking at the mirror and the reflection of your left arm looks like your right arm. Now, people can start to treat that phantom limb pain by looking in the mirror with the perception that that is the right hand and doing things really with their left hand. So so there is sometimes a crossover effect in the body where, you know, one side of the body can affect the other side of the body. But again, and, and that goes deeper to a neuropsychological level, which again, I'm not, I'm not sure sure if that's the answer here but I, I also am not sure what the answer is because again I would have to go through your history to understand but I would need to go through the extent of possibilities to look at why could something like this happen and and that would be my guess that it would either be something along those psychoneurological routes or just pure coincidence um uh, on why it would get better like if and if I'm understanding correctly your surgery was done on one side but the improvement you felt was on the side without surgery Oh, you had surgery on both sides. Okay, sorry. No, so then no, I misunderstood. No, 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 no. 
I had surgery on my right thumb. It was going to be followed with surgery on, on my your head. left thumb. Right. Okay. So I understood it correctly, and then your left improved. Right. So yeah. So my. So again, either just purely coincidence or some psychoneuro effect that that is very very hard to explain. You know, with the time that we have left. But I, I would say that that would be sort of my two hypotheses. Thank you. No problem. Thanks very much for calling, Gail. Really appreciate it. Let's move on to uh, Marcel in Toronto. You've got a, a question about your knee. Marcel? Hello. Hey, what's what's going on with your knee, Marcel? Um, I had a meniscus tear on my knee a little while back. And from it, I got something called a Baker cyst on the back of my knee. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be going for an MRI in November. Right. And I think I'm going to have to get some orthoscopic surgery. My question is, how long will I be off if they do something like that? Again, and then so that I, I believe that's a better question for the surgeon because the surgeon will understand the extent of the exact issue that you have, the exact type of surgery that they're doing, and also your current prognostic factors. Like, you know, have you done stuff before to make sure that your surgery goes well after? Um, do you have any other comorbidities like, you know, for example, diabetes or something like that? So, so you know, I, I would say in general, like a scope surgery, if it's the average scope surgery and you are a perfectly healthy human being, um, you know, you're probably looking at a four to six week recovery, maybe six to eight weeks, depending on age. Uh, but again, those numbers very much change. Like, like Greg was a perfect example with ACL construction, right? Very healthy guy, very fit. Um, he, he was better almost instantly when I was like talking to him after surgery versus most people would have said that type of surgery, you'd probably be out of commission for three months. And, you know, uh, almost five months out since then he, he's doing perfectly fine. So th those things can range very, very much. It, uh, it really just depends on on you, the individual, and, and understanding the parameters around you. Very good. Um, I know that pain usually shoots down. Now I'm getting a little, a bit of pain on my left hip. Could that also be from the knee? It's the left. It's yeah, it's my left knee. Yeah. Uh... So, so there's a lot of things around compensation, right? So when you have, like, just as an example, you know, your left knee is hurt, that, that means you have to sort of change your gait. And that can essentially affect anything else. It can affect your, your left ankle, your right ankle, your neck. Like, once you start shifting patterns in your body to do things, well, then that, that force has to dissipate the whole way up your body, all the way up the system. So, yeah, you could potentially feel it anywhere, and it would be most likely that you would feel it in the next joint to that that local joint so somewhere like a left knee issue uh, it's not uncommon for me to hear that people are now feeling stuff in their left hip it's ju it just kind of the next area that will take the brunt of the abuse yeah and, and exactly and so those and and those are the types of things that are important to know with prognostic factors like sitting is over very much like something you're not doing much right so that's so maybe your cardiovascular system is not as good as it could be so you know maybe prior to surgery you want to start walking 20 minutes or 30 minutes you know three to five times a week to get your cardiovascular system up and these are all the things around why an assessment is so important because i need to assess the individual there's so many variables here that need to be taken into consideration I do a lot of stretching. I uh, was overweight. I've lost uh, 40 pounds. I cycle. Uh, and so, yeah. So, I mean, your prognosis might be good then. I, again, I would need to yeah. go through the extent. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you very much for the info. 
Thanks very much for calling. Thanks. Uh, if you want to follow up, call one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. Thank you. Uh, we've got some time for some more calls on the other side. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Star 640 on your cell phone. A little bit more with Dr. Lou coming up on the other side. Closing in on the final segment here of the Dr. Payne Show with Dr. Lou. I'm Chris Creston in for John Scholes, uh, who generally brings the pain to Dr. Payne Show. I, I, give, I, know, that I, give, I give him a low blow here when he's not yeah. here to defend were, himself. Were you there that, that day, Jody, when I explained that? Yeah. He's the so pain and Dr. Payne. <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I feel bad now that I gave the guy a, a shot okay. when he's not here to defend That's himself. Okay. But, uh, you know, we were just talking uh, when uh, off the air from the previous caller who was saying, well, he's got this knee problem. He's going to go in for surgery, but he's noticing a problem now in that hip. Yeah, right. So, and we're talking about how you compensate for that. And yes. I was just thinking that, you know, there's this, this you know, it, it sort of, it's, it's almost like a bro thing. It's a guy thing that we're always thinking, walk it off, walk it off. Yes. You don't have to go get it checked out, yeah. but you've got to be proactive with these things. Absolutely. Because a problem with your knee becomes a problem with your hip. And then all of a sudden you've got two problems. Yeah. To deal abs- with. And, and yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, I mean, the breakdown in one area of the body can absolutely lead to the breakdown in other areas. You're, you know, once you start compensating in a certain manner, or you can't use that area in the same manner. That and you know, like the knee is funny because people who have, like, say, for example, osteoarthritis of the knee, that I see that eventually need a knee replacement. They'll come in and it's like, yeah, it was only this left knee that used to hurt, and I know that's the one that needs the replacement. But now my right knee is hurting me more than my left knee. It's like, right. well, you're you're compensating, right? Like you're doing things so that you can continue with your your ambulating, you're walking around and you need to make modifications in order and your body will naturally do that that's the thing right it's a good example of it when people have a disc herniation for example you'll see them standing up and they'll have an antalgic posture which Mm -hmm. just means they they offset themselves they look like they're they're crooked essentially but that's not them doing it that's their body saying hey uh we got a problem in this area so i'm going to offload pressure in this area but what happens to your upper back for example when you're you're crooked like that. These people do start to develop. Oh, I've also got upper back pain. My neck's bothering me. Like I, I feel like my feet are hurting. It's in, and of course, the one thing can lead to another. But I equally mentioned on the other side of the break that there's a balance that you got to find. And the, and the example I gave is, you know, sometimes I'll have moms come in with their young kids, uh, you know, like six, seven years old, and they've noticed, you know, the kid has flat feet, and it's like, you know, kid needs orthotics or what they deem to be. And it's like, well, does does that kid have any problems? And and if the answer is no. You also somehow so are they feeling pain? Are they having yeah. pain? Exactly. Then you also have to accept that inducing a change, right? Making a change can also lead to pain. And the example that I gave you was a dentist putting in braces, right? right. Like if you go to where you want to be on in six months from now, it's going to hurt like hell. And and the small increment incremental changes get you to where you want to be in in an effort to limit that pain over a longer period of time. And this is the balance you need to find. Like how, when do you make an intervention so that it's not too early that you induce problems that shouldn't be there? And when do you, when do you not do it so that it's not too late and leads to other problems? And, and again, that's where I think finding the right healthcare professional is that answer. Because if you have the right person who's helping you along with, for example, these musculoskeletal issues, they will be able to find where that, where that harmony is, where that, that perfect balance between those two is, or at least have an idea where it is so that you're never intervening when, you know, you shouldn't, but intervening early enough when you should. 
Hey, thank you so much, Dr. Lou. We're wrapping up the sure. show here. Just a pleasure spending the hour here with you. Dr. Lou's pain care. You can give him a call, one 855 doctor Lou. Info at paincarecanada.com or visit paincarecanada.com. I think we're going to do it again next week. Yes, right? I'll see you next week. Awesome. Chris. Terrific stuff. Dr. Lou here with you. I'm Chris Crescent. Stay tuned to Global News Radio 640 Toronto.